Kyle Pitts is headed to IR and might be done for the rest of the season. What does that mean for the Falcons offense moving forward? You are Locked On Falcons, your daily Atlanta Falcons podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. So, guys, you know me. I'm Aaron Freeman, a.k.a. Mr. Drew, a.k.a. Sirius Black, and a.k.a. your very humble host of this illustrious Locked On Falcons podcast, part of the Locked On Sports Atlanta podcast family, your team every day. And today's episode of Locked On Falcons is presented by Prize Picks. Prize Picks is daily fantasy made easy. Just pick two to five players, and if they score more or less than their Prize Picks projection, you can win up to ten times your money on your entry. First times users can receive a one hundred percent instant deposit match up to one hundred dollars with the promo code Locked On. That's PrizePicks.com promo code Locked On. So, guys, we thank you for making Locked On Falcons your first listen each and every day. Of course, Locked On Falcons is free and available on a variety of podcast platforms, including on YouTube. Make sure you subscribe to Locked On Falcons on YouTube. Give us a like when you do. Hit that bell, and you will get the video version of the podcast the night before the audio drops. So on yesterday's rapid reaction, I promised Charles McDonald would be on the show. Unfortunately, Charles had a scheduling conflict, so we'll probably punt Charles to next week and we'll talk about, you know, his thoughts on Taylor Heineke and, and all that sort of thing uh, as a guest. So you will not be able uh, to get your Charles McDonald fix at least this week. Uh, and I have more bad news for those of you. Uh, Kyle Pitts probably going to be done for the season. Um, earlier on Monday, Arthur Smith went in front of the media and basically said, you know, both Kyle Pitts and Taquan Graham are going to be out for the short term. Uh, but then later in the afternoon, the Falcons officially put both of those guys on injured reserve, uh, various reports from people like Ian Rappaport of NFL network on Monday indicated that Pitts suffered a MCL tear, um, and is seeking a second opinion. And I'm not a doctor, although I am related to one. And I did stay at a Holiday Inn Express last night. And that Holiday Inn Express does have Google. Uh, so I will give some of my medical opinions here. Um, but typically, uh, when you hear that a player is getting uh, a second opinion, it's usually because the first doctor said, or at least in, in my experience, again, I, I'm, I'm not an expert on this, um, despite my hotel musings. But um the first doctor basically says we're going to give you season ending sur surgery and the second and you, you go to a second doctor to, to hopefully get a more optimistic prognosis um and so when i google sort of severity of mcl tears and whatnot i i read some info about like a grade 2 tear you know is is going to leave you out four to six weeks a grade 3 is six or more weeks and surgery would only put that longer and obviously the falcons have seven weeks left of the regular season. And of course a small, small probability of making the playoffs. Uh, playoffs. Don't talk about playoffs. You kidding me? Playoffs. I just hope we can win a game. So, uh, uh, MCL tear is not nearly as bad as an ACL tear. After all, Tom Brady did play on a torn 
MCL through the entire of the entirety of the Bucks Super Bowl season back in 2020. Obviously, that's not a real possibility with a tight end like Kyle Pitts. Um, so I, I, I look at it and I think we're probably not likely to see him return this year unless the Falcons make a, a deep postseason run. We won't get into that today. We'll, we'll save Coach Mara for a little bit later uh, in the season. Um, but I, I think they kind of need to win their next two games uh, before they even explore a possibility of that. And so, you know, to bring it back to Coach Mora, you know, trying to win a game and then trying to win another game after that point. Um, we talked a little bit about Pitts and Graham's injuries on yesterday's rapid reaction uh, in that third segment. And I was, you know, at that time I was optimistic that, you know, Pitts would not be out for an extended period of time, maybe miss a game or two or something with a sprain or something like that. But obviously uh, those, that optimism was moot and it just teaches me to never be optimistic about the Falcons. So uh, I have learned that lesson guys. And so it's all back to the negativity. Uh, I did not express optimism in the slightest that Taquan Graham uh, wasn't going to be out for the season. And again, unless we get some update a month from now, um, saying that, oh, it was just a, a minor issue. Um, I'm going to assume along with Kyle Pitts that he's potentially out for the season. Again, still a slim possibility that, you know, Pitts might, you know, be back in time for the, the, the playoffs. Uh, but again, that depends heavily on your uh, belief that the Falcons can make the playoffs without Kyle Pitts over the next six games. In other roster news, they did pick up Jaleel Johnson off of wa- waivers. Uh, he was signed by the Falcons at the practice squad at the beginning of October. Uh, and then the Texans signed him off the practice squad a couple of weeks later. Uh, and then they waived him this past weekend. So the Falcons are bringing him back. And we talked a little bit on yesterday's episode about what the Falcons would do. Cause I was at that time, assuming Graham was going to be out uh, for a while, uh, what the Falcons would do at that D tackle, that interior D line and kind of speculated, you know, this would be a golden opportunity to bring back Anthony rush or potentially bring in another veteran that we've been talking about. The Falcons bring in <laughs> into the building since May. Um, and uh, you know, again, there's still a possibility that the Falcons could do either one of those things later this week. Uh, but it seems at least for the time being bringing back Julio Johnson, that they're just going to roll with the young guys in a, in Johnson, Abdul Anderson, Timmy Horn, Jalen Dalton, and hope that, you know, the power of competition, next man up, all that sort of thing, uh, someone will sort of step up and, and fill that void uh, next to Grady Jarrett. And we'll just sort of have to see uh, if one of those guys does, you know, Taquan Graham has been a valuable contributor to the Falcons run defense. He's also had his moments as a pass rusher. And I don't know if any one of these guys is going to bring quite the same skill set as as he does in that regard. So we'll see if one of these guys can sort of step up because certainly it will go a long way uh, to solidifying their grip on a roster spot beyond not only this year, but into future years again, because you know, a lot of us uh, and we'll, we'll see if Terry Fontenot agrees with us, but a lot of us expect the Falcons to completely revamp uh, their front seven um, in the off season uh, in free agency. So uh, any, any positive play from some of these young guys over the next, you know, six games, uh, will certainly help their case to not be part, you know, out with the old in with the new sort of mentality. But uh, we will leave it there, guys, and we'll talk a little bit more about some of the adjustments the Falcons will make offensively to fill uh, the Kyle Pitts size void in their offense. And if that's going to mean that they're going to lean even more on their running game and, and what that means this upcoming week against the Washington Commanders. But guys, before we get there, I want to tell you about 
Uh, Turo, the world's largest car sharing marketplace. With Turo, you can book any car you want, wherever you want, from a community of local hosts. You can browse a huge selection of vehicles uh, for just about any occasion or budget across the U.S., U.K., Canada. And also, it's coming soon to our friends down under in Australia. And, of course, this week is a great time, uh, given all the traveling that everybody's going to be doing uh, this week, to explore your options at Toro, including getting that sort of spacious SUV or minivan for a family road trip. If you want to get a classic luxury car uh, for the holidays so you can, you know, impress your loved ones. Uh, if you want to find, find an affordable uh, economy car that can just get you from point A to point B, um, you know, whether that's getting home or, or getting away from your relatives, uh, you know, you can find that at Toro or test drive a, a new electric car. Many hosts will deliver the car directly to you. Every trip is backed by liability insurance, terms, conditions, and exclusions apply. Ditch the boring rental cars and find your drive at Turo. Dot com. That's T-U-R-O dot com. And now I want to tell you guys about prize picks, a fun new way to play daily fantasy. You just pick two to five players. And if they score more or less than their prize picks projection, you can win up to 10 times your money on your entry. It takes less than 60 seconds to enter. And the great thing about prize picks is not you versus other people. It's just you versus the projections. And you can find projections on the NFL, NBA, uh, NHL, PGA, college football, and so much more. Prize picks is safe. It's fast. It's easy. It's currently in operation in over 30 states in the U.S. and Canada. All you got to do is download the Prize Picks app or go to prizepicks.com to sign up. And first time users can receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with the promo code locked on. That means if you deposit 100, Prize Picks will give you 100. If you deposit 50, Prize Picks will give you $50 on top of that. Don't forget to use that promo code locked on at sign up to get your instant deposit match up to $100. So guys, as we continue today's episode, let's talk a little bit about how the Falcons fill the Kyle Pitts void in their offense. And obviously this is not the first time the Falcons have uh, played without Kyle Pitts this year. Uh, he missed the Tampa Bay game earlier this year. And in that game, essentially the Falcons use kind of a tight end by committee uh, to sort of fill that, that void uh, in their offense. Primarily we saw, or not primarily, but we saw a lot of Anthony Ferkser getting work in the 11 personnel sets, uh, particularly in the first half of the game. And then when the Falcons were utiliz utilizing a lot more 12 personnel uh, as the game wore on, the two tight ends that were getting the bulk of the work were Felipe Franks and Parker Hesse. Uh, and for those of you guys that don't know the personnel groups, I've explained it before in the podcast, but those numbers refer to the, the first number is the number of running backs. The second number is the number of tight ends. So 11 personnel is one running back, one tight end, 12 personnel is one running back, two tight ends. So you can kind of do the math uh, on that, you know, with five skill position players. So that's why, you know, one plus one equals two minus five is three. So that's the three wide receiver uh, set. So uh, just want to explain that for, for those of you that when you hear those numbers, you, you don't know exactly what I'm talking about. So um, since then, we've seen a lot more of Michael Pruitt and Parker Hesse as sort of their two guys uh, in their uh, two tight end sets. And that's a big reason why Felipe Franks, especially the last two weeks has been inactive. Uh, so it seems like we may see more of Pruitt and Hesse to give the team that more of that juice as blockers um, when they go to those two tight end sets. Um, we did see a nice catch from Michael Pruitt in this um, Bears game. We had a 17-yard catch on a play-action rollout. Um, and I think with both him and Hesse, 
if the Falcons are going to get them involved in the passing game, a lot of it is going to be play action passes out of 12 personnel or 13 personnel, which are those three tight end sets. Um, you know, you're not going to necessarily ask those guys to line up flexed out, line up wide and run routes uh, in a major way uh, and expect those guys to get the ball. When the Falcons have done that, that's more of a Ferks or Franks sort of thing. Um, so we'll see how the Falcons adjusted. Do they go back to more of a committee system? And obviously it's going to depend heavily on their game plan, right? If they're going to try to run the ball effectively and, and run the ball a lot against Washington this upcoming week and, and in future weeks against other opponents, you know, they're probably going to lean more in those two tight end sets with Hesse and Pruitt. But if they do get into a situation where they want to throw the ball, then that's going to open the door for guys like Franks and, and Ferkser. And the thing about Franks, at least in that Tampa Bay game, was because the Falcons want don't want to sort of tip their hand. They like having Franks out there because he gives you a little bit more as a blocker than Ferkser does, uh, but also gives you a little bit more as a route runner and an athlete. So the potential is there for him to catch a football. Uh, although obviously in that Tampa Bay game, he did not catch uh, you know any of the targets that went his way. Um, and dropped one and, and ran a bad route on an overthrow uh, from Mariota. So, uh, you know, that we'll, we'll see what sort of game the, the Falcons play in that regard. But, you know, running the ball against Washington uh, may not be the best strategy because you look at some of the numbers that say they're one of the best run defenses in the league. They're number two currently, uh, or at least heading into this weekend. Uh, in terms of run run defensive DVOA, according to Football Outsiders. Now, obviously, we were having a similar conversation heading into that week six game after the Tampa Bay game against the 49ers, who I think were either one or two at that point in time in terms of run defensive DVOA. Obviously, the Falcons were very effective running the football against that 49ers front, although, again, the 49ers were down several key players on defense uh, and several key starters, um, particularly on the front. I don't know if Washington's as beat up as them. I know Chase Young obviously has missed most of the season, but he's kind of expected back uh, this week. They they did not play him last week against Houston, presumably because they wanted him to be healthier for this game. um, Potentially Uh, Cole Holcomb. I know their middle linebacker has also uh, missed a a couple of weeks now. Um, And so we'll see if if Young comes back. I, you know, I know he presents some fear when it comes to the pass rush, but we know Chase Young doesn't do much, uh, especially against Caleb McGarry, who shut him down last year. Uh, but Chase Young is an elite run defender. So if he does come back uh, this year, and that's not me being, I mean, I am being somewhat facetious because I'm, I'm taking shot. You know, I'm explaining a joke. So is is instantly unfunny, but um, essentially Chase Young is hyped as a pass rusher, but he's actually a really good run defender. He's legitimately a good run defender, but you know, you don't take a, a player, a generational talent number two overall because he's good against the run, but that's a whole separate conversation. So if he does come back, presumably it would be even harder for the Falcons to run the ball uh, this week against the commander. So obviously, you know, these are, crossover Thursday conversations that you guys will be uh, listening, sneaking away from your family on Thursday uh, to listen to uh, when I'm joined by David Harrison of locked on commanders. Uh, So we'll see how we get into all of that. Obviously we're going to do a lot more research uh, or I'm going to do a lot more research uh, to have you guys covered on that front later in the week. But you know, at least my preliminary research and, and knowledge of Washington is that their weakness defensively is their secondary. So they are a team that presumably especially, you know, once Caleb McGarry shuts down Chase Young. And if you, whoever your left guard is, if that guy can block Jonathan Allen, although, you know, I'm, I'm a little worried about Chuma Adoga or Kobe Gossett, whoever winds up getting the start next week um, going up against Jonathan Allen, uh, because Jonathan Allen is legitimately the 
commanders, uh, best pass rusher and is one of the best interior pass rushing D tackles in the NFL, uh, probably only a notch or two below Grady Jarrett in that regard. But normally against Washington, you would probably have more success throwing the football, but we know that's a major weakness uh, or inefficiency or whatever you want to call it for this Falcons team. So at least for the next game and probably beyond that, you're going to need to see that evolution from Marcus Mariota. You're going to need to see Drake London be much more involved in the passing attack. He obviously had one catch yesterday and went for a touchdown, uh, but that's not going to cut it, right? And obviously you want to see Alameda Zacchaeus also get involved, who's quietly been very solid for the Falcons uh, this year. Um, and if the passing game doesn't step up, then you're basically you know relying entirely on your running game uh, to basically push around this Washington front like you did the 49ers several weeks back. And so uh, we'll see if the Falcons can take care of business. Obviously, they have some uh, playoff hopes dangling. Uh, I won't play the Mora clip again. So uh, I, I, as I said earlier, I do think these next two games are kind of must-win games if the Falcons at least want to control their destiny. They're going to have to get lucky uh, if, if even if they split these next two games. Um you know, down the stretch because the schedule is presumably going to, you know, there's going to be some tough games after the bye week. Tougher, let's say tougher. I'm not, you know, there, there's a couple of wins in there, presumably, if the Falcons play well. But, um, yeah, you know, they they will be in much better control of their destiny this season if they can win this week and then the following week against the Steelers. So, uh, obviously, we'll have you covered later this week on that front. And we'll wrap up today's episode by talking at least a little bit more positively about the Falcons because we'll revisit yesterday's game and talk about how the defense by dialing back their blitz were able to keep Justin Fields in check uh, and we'll get into that guys but I want to thank you uh, that you make Lockdown Falcons your first listen each and every day. And I recommend for your second listen, check out Lockdown Sports Today from the games that matter the most and the biggest stories in sports. Lockdown Sports Today has you covered behind the scenes and beyond the scoreboard with the local experts that only Lockdown can provide. So subscribe to Lockdown Sports Today, available on Odyssey, YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. And guys, I want to tell you about betonline.net, the number one source for sports betting info, stats, news, analysis. And since I know great personal experience that you love podcasts, you can also find those at betonline.net as well. And right now the Falcons are four point underdogs on the road against the commander. So if you want to take advantage of that line, whether you feel great about the Falcons chances or, you know, today's news on Kyle Pitts makes you feel down in the dumps about their ability to get uh, another road win this season, go to betonline.net or use your mobile device to learn and get the latest odds trends, not only for football, but for every professional and amateur league out there from football, basketball, soccer, Esports, we got you covered all at betonline.net. Betonline, where the game starts. And guys, uh, Locked on Falcons, along with all your other Atlanta shows, are now available on Roku and Amazon Fire TV as part of Locked on Sports Atlanta. Just download the Locked on Sports Atlanta app available today on Roku and Amazon Fire TV. 
So wrapping up today's episode, let's talk a little bit about the Falcons defensive strategy and obviously uh, um, basing a lot of this on some of the things that Mike Rothstein of ESPN wrote on Monday talking about this. I'll link to the article in the description below if you want to go deeper into this. But um, it was notable that the Falcons, uh, you know, one of the reasons why the Falcons had success containing um, Justin Fields was because they did something that other teams, other defenses didn't do, which was not blitz him. Right. According to Rothstein, uh, Fields was blitzed on about 38 percent of his dropbacks heading into this weekend, which was the second highest rate in the NFL. And the Falcons only wound up blitzing him on basically three percent of his dropbacks uh, in this game. Um, And so, you know, they were able to. you know, sort of keep eyes on Justin Fields, corral him. You know, we, we saw several guys make open field tackles against him. D Alford, Troy Anderson, Lorenzo Carter, I think had a, a, a stop or two um, Evans and, and Walker, et cetera, uh, were able to make some stops on him. And so, you know, that was part of their strategy. And it was interesting because I, I expected going into this game that the Falcons would blitz Fields a ton to try to force him to make quicker decisions, something that is not a strength of his game by dialing up the pressure. Um, but, you know, with that comes the risk and the, the reward, right? The reward is, you know, it forces him to to make uh, poor decisions. The, the risk is that he'll just make the decision to tuck in and run. And if, and if guys are out of their lanes or guys are out of position, you know, that can lead to some big gains as we've seen the last couple of weeks. Now, uh, what's notable, and I'm not using Mike Rothstein's numbers that he cited, and I'm going to use PFF, um, you know, for this, the rest of this data that I'm going to throw at you guys. Uh, But PFF had the Falcons pressuring fields on 53% uh, of his dropbacks, which was either the highest or the second highest this past weekend uh, in, in Sunday's games. And obviously that number is the highest pressure rate the Falcons have had all year long prior to that, their highest was the 33%. They put Jimmy Garoppolo under pressure in that week six game. Um, and those of you that have been regularly listening to the podcast over the, over the season know that sort of the number I put at sort of a healthy pressure rate for defense is about 35%. Um, so slightly above the Jimmy G level. And frankly, the Falcons have not broken more than 30% only three times. They did it in week one against the Saints where they had 30% pressure rate. They did it in week four against the Browns with 32%. And then again in week six uh, with 33%. And most every other game, the Falcons have had a pressure rate between like 16 and 26% according to PFF. So uh, I'll be curious to go back and watch the film um, to see sort of if they were able to get more pressure with just four guys uh, by dialing up more stunts. I know they had at least one sack. Uh, one of their four sacks came with guys getting stunts in this game, the Grady Jarrett sack where uh, Lorenzo Carter looped in uh, and, and forced um, Fields to move off his spot, and, and, and Grady was able to clean up uh, that thing. And, you know, it would be notable if that was the case this past week because stunts have not been something that has been a regular feature of the Falcons' pass rush when they try to rush with four. Uh, this season or last year under Dean Pease. Now it was something that Raheem Morris was like, I'm we're, we're running stunts every single snap, right? That was a, that was a regular feature under Raheem Morris in 2020 when I was charting the defense. And obviously it was a, a big part of what they did under Dan Quinn. Uh, and so that's not been something that's been uh, big in the repertoire of Dean Pease. So I'll be curious to see if he dialed that up this week and maybe we'll see more of that moving forward. Or if that was just specific um, to uh, dealing with Justin Fields, um, and you know, the fact that the Falcons were able to get pressure this week, 
or the, get more pressure this week than they have to date isn't a surprise given that the Bears offensive line has not been very good according to Pro Football Focus. Uh, Justin Fields has been the most pressured among the starting quarterbacks this year, having been pressured on about 47% of his dropbacks. I think it was like maybe 44% going into this game, uh, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and, you know, some of that pressure, high pressure number is due to, again, going back to Fields' propensity to hold on to the football, uh, you know, trying to process things and, and make decisions. Um, and, you know, the other thing that PFF keeps track of is how often the pressure is on the quarterback as opposed to the offensive line or other players. And Fields, I think, the second behind Lamar Jackson in terms of quarterback-induced pressure, right? Uh, Marcus Mariota, by the way, is like 12th on that list, uh, which I think was like top five through the first like three or four games. So that is something that Mariota has seemingly gotten better at as the season has gone on and not holding onto the ball and making uh, better and quicker decisions. Now, this matters because this week, you know, normally I would sit here and say, oh, the Falcons got pressure against a bad Bears offensive line. Great for one game. It's a one-off. We won't see it again. But I do think this week they have another opportunity against a questionable commander's offensive line that is not far behind the Bears when it comes to allowing pressure. Taylor Heineke has been pressured on 42% of his dropbacks this year, which is, again, his third most among the current starters. Now, granted, Carson Wentz was not pressured nearly to the same rate. Um, And so that, you know, I'll have to do a little bit more research on, you know, what's changed in the last, you know, four or five games under Heineke versus the previous games. Uh, though I imagine, you know, some of it's injury related. Uh, I know Wes Schweitzer could, could potentially come back this week. He's been, I think, on IR the last six weeks with a, a concussion. Uh, and, you know, just looking at some of the PFF grades, it does seem like the weakness of the commander's offensive line is the interior, especially that center position uh, where, you know, Chase Rulio, uh got hurt earlier this season. I think now they're on Tyler Larson, who's like the fourth starting center that they had. I think Schweitzer actually started a game back in like September at the center position. So um, that's a vulnerability that the Falcons can attack. Obviously, again, having a healthy take on Graham uh, would help in that regard. But obviously, Grady Jarrett uh, is going to have to do some of the heavy lifting. But hopefully one of these young guys, Horn, Abdullah, uh, Dalton, et cetera, uh, can step up. And, and contribute there and take advantage of that weakness. So we'll see sort of, uh, you know, where the commander's offensive line is looking as the week unfolds. You also look at, you know, PFF's charting of Heineke and his numbers when he's blitz versus when he's not blitz. And the numbers indicate that he's also another quarterback that certainly benefits from the blitz and has actually been pretty bad when he not blitz in terms of like, you know, potentially throwing, turning the ball over. So I would expect, again, a second week in a row where the Falcons rely heavily on their four-man pressures uh, to to, to get home at the quarterback. So that will be something, again, as I said, I'll key on sort of their usage of stunts when I watch the All-22 on Tuesday. But if you guys have any other things that you want me to look out for uh, when we do our All-22 review tomorrow, uh, that will also be a Q&A episode. Of course, you can hit me up on the various ways that you can, you know, provide your feedback, good, bad, negative, and all the things in between. 
Um, you can do so via Twitter or Facebook at Locked on Falcons. You can send an email to Locked on Falcons at mail.com. You can uh, leave a comment here on Locked on Falcons YouTube channel, or you can hit me up in the Discord, Locked on Falcons, the link in the description below. I'll leave a link to that Mike Rothstein article as well, guys. Uh, but that is going to do it for us here. Obviously, a big blow, not sort of the celebratory victory Monday that we were hoping for or victory Tuesday, whatever you want to call it uh, as you're listening to this. But uh, obviously, you know, injuries happen next man up. We'll see how the Falcons recover. um, And we'll just see if they can, you know, sort of circle the wagons and, um, you know, get it done or, you know, this week against the commanders and then sort of another must win game. Um, and uh, of course still having several other games, uh, in which they need to, you know, probably win the majority of, uh, to have any realistic shot at making the postseason. So we'll see if they're up to the task really guys appreciate it till then.